everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kersky. And I'm James Doyle. And this is The Lantern Cast. Episode 85. You know, every single time we have on more than just two people, like, once the th- by the time the third person is saying their name, I completely forget that the next line is mine. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, and, and this is The Lantern Cast. Wow. You have the attention span of a puppy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I have that much of an attention span. Yeah, that's true. Okay. What? 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 <laughs> James, fix that. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so this is our big St. Patrick's Day episode. Ooh. Did you say right. what, what episode is this? 85? 85. Yep. Okay. Um, yes, that means absolutely nothing. But this is our big St. Patrick's Day episode. <laughs> I just undercut it right away. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the St. Patrick's Day episode, you know, means something. The number doesn't. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so so we thought it would be fun to, you know, to do something St. Patrick's Day themed. And not to mention, we're also having our producer, producer's the title. Yes. Uh, yes, I think it's actually Epic Producer. Yes, our Epic Producer, <laughs> James Doyle, who's actually from Ireland, to come on and also discuss the the topic today. But before we get to that, before we get to that, Lauren has a joke for James. Yeah. She's Wait. got Jim Cooley. I do, it's gross. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Okay, okay. This is my father's favorite Irish joke, and he says it every year on St. Patrick's Day. So, James, are you ready? I am. Okay. What's (laughs) what's Irish and stays out all night? I I know the answer to this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say it, though. (laughs) Patio furniture! (laughs) So, that's my Irish joke, so, uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day from beginning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye guys. Bye, bye, bye Lauren. Lauren. Okay, yeah. So Lauren really wanted to tell her her St. Patrick's Day joke. <laughs> <laughs> so James, now on to questions about Ireland. Um, I guess the the first question for you know our American listeners is is St. Patrick's Day like celebrated at all in Ireland? It is, yeah. It is. Yeah. I don't think it's as big a deal over here as it is in America, though. <laughs> it's pretty big. Like, we have parades in most places. But mostly it's just getting drunk. Otherwise, I think that's the same in America. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> no, that, that pretty much sounds just like in America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this year it's on a Thursday, I think. So I know people who are considering, like, since it doesn't fall on a weekend... They're taking the weekend before it and after it and considering those both St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Dan, you have a question? Um, no, not not really, no. (laughs) Oh, awesome. (laughs) Um, I don't don't know, you go, I'll think. (laughs) Okay, um, I know over in the UK they get their comic books on Thursday. Yeah. Do you also get your comics on Thursday? Yeah, it's it's really annoying because you get all excited on Wednesday and you're like, oh, all the comics are coming out, but that's only in America. 
have you ever gotten spoiled, uh, you know, from a comic that you wanted to to wait on because um, of that? No, I don't think so. I'm, I usually get them by other means before I buy them <laughs> physically. Uh, okay, uh, we'll uh, gloss right <laughs> over that one. <laughs> um, what you call it? Now, in Ireland, like, are four-leaf clovers a big deal? And uh, no, <laughs> no, yeah, they're not really a big deal over here either. <laughs> does it, like does it ever does it ever bother you that it? I don't even know how accurate this is gonna be, but it's it's it seems like like Irish stereotypes are more like acceptable to more people than with other other groups or nationalities. Like, does it ever like? Like the whole like the drunkenness thing and the leprechaun thing and all that stuff. Like, does that ever just kind of, kind of make you go stop and go like, all right, what what the fuck? What's a, a little bit sometimes. There's um, I remember there was an episode of The Simpsons I think and Family Guy as well, with Irish people in it, and they're just all either drunk or religious, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that's all that happens in Ireland. Like, <laughs> that sounds boring. What do you do for fun? Oh, you probably drink. Yeah. <laughs> and then you pr- you pray the headache away the next morning. <laughs> I I just picture it being like Boondock Saints and people just like you know having lots and lots of guns all the time. <laughs> guns. <laughs> the word is shillelaghs, Jim. <laughs> like our 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 police over here don't have guns. Really? Not other carry guns, yeah. What happens if there's a a bad guy with a gun? They run away. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They ha- that's how it. Well, I don't know if it still is, but that's how it was in um in England too for a time, I think. Yeah, I think they do. They do have guns now. I think, or some of them do. I don't know. So what but... you're saying is Ireland is vulnerable to invasion from England. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All you need We've is kind of dealt with that before, though. So. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All you need is a, a wooden board with a nail in it. True, but what if they pick up a bigger board with a bigger nail? <laughs> well, eventually they'd come up with a board so big with a nail in it <laughs> that it would destroy the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Who would have thought one trip to the Home Depot starts the slow road to genocide? <laughs> one thing that I actually really enjoy listening to, and uh, I listened on Pandora, I created a station like that's completely centered around Irish pub songs. Okay. Yeah, like, for some reason, that's just something that I, you know, I like listening to. Um Is that actually big in Ireland? Like, what what are the music options on the radio over there? <laughs> Um, it's generally pop music. Same. Yeah. It's generally American music on the radio over here. Yeah. There is some channels with the old kind of Irish music to play, but mostly not. Look. I gotcha. Well, that, I guess that's kind of like country music over here. Yeah. You do hear of a lot of though if you're at a country pub, and at the end of the night, there, there's always some old fella singing some old Irish songs. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> so. And then everyone's drunk enough to sing along with them. 
now, even in what we're about to uh, review, they talk about how, you know, Ireland is, is, you know, considered very lush and green and, you know, lots of greenery. Um, is it, is it very, you know, um, well, green? yeah, is it green? <laughs> like, is there still like lots and lots of fields and, you know, just is it, rolling is green? It, is it usually portrayed accurately in like in media? I guess. Um, yeah, pretty much it is. There's a lot of fields and stuff around. Like I, I didn't really notice until I went to I think went to Spain, and I realized that wow, Ireland is pretty green compared to these other countries that I've been flying over. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So um, so even with like you know you know built up industri- industry and you know more civilization you know, as it is, it, there's still large areas of green. Yeah. Actually, like, just to mention something in Gantt's still, there's a little kind of panel that has, like, the background of a city in the background with skyscrapers. Right. Yeah. And we don't have skyscrapers in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, busting the myths. <laughs> have you ever been to the Blarney Stone? I have not. You have not? No. Do you know, know people? Is, do you know people that have gone? Um, <clears throat> not really. It's more of it's more of an American thing to do <laughs> <laughs> to come over here and do it. Uh, I've I've heard tales that people actually uh, pee on the Blarney Stone, and then Americans come over and kiss it. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're a listener, don't go kiss the Blarney Stone. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, if you, if somebody is going to Ireland, like, you know, what are like two or three things that you would say that they need to see from the perspectives of somebody that's actually from Ireland? All the fields. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of places where I've been. I mean, when you live someplace all the time, it's, it tends to be less than spectacular to you for after a while. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, if you ask me, like... All right, I want. I'm thinking about traveling to New Jersey. Why should I do that? I'd be like, I don't know. Can't think of an app. There's nothing here. Yeah. <laughs> Even though there probably is, but to me, it's all just the same old boring stuff. Well, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I'll, I will say that I've been to Jersey, and really, there is no reason to go, <laughs> uh, except yeah. for like the Sonics. The Sonic drink stops are really nice. But like, if somebody asked me, like, okay, I'm going to be going to New York City then I could, like, roll off, like, you know, a couple of really cool things that I have seen and I appreciate that I think that they would appreciate as well, like landmarks or museums or stuff like that. Yeah, but everything I see is just stuff that I know is around. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't stand out to me, you know? Okay. Yeah, Jim. It's all green. It all camouflages together. <laughs> it's disappointing. I wanted like <laughs> something that I could be like. Someday I'm gonna go to Ireland, and that's that, that's my destination. I'm gonna go see that. <laughs> and now you're telling me, oh, there's nothing like that in Ireland. It's all well, completely mundane. It, I'm sure there's lots of things that you could go. I mean, apparently, if you check out my bio on the website, it links to the Visit Ireland webpage. Thanks for that, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> You should go to that one secret spot where all rainbows intersect. <laughs> I've looked really hard for that, but I can't find it. 
It's what? right next to that one giant factory that makes all the Lucky Charms in the world. <laughs> <laughs> are, are Lucky Charms from Ireland? Of course. I think I had a packet of them once when I was six years old. <laughs> but I've never seen them again since then. Oh, wow. Um, okay, so final question, then we'll get into the comic. Uh, traditional meal for St. Patrick's Day is corned beef and cabbage, um, Irish soda bread, and uh, was it Guinness beer? Is this? That's basically, that, <laughs> in America, that is the traditional Irish Irish dinner. Um, like None when, of that sounds tasty at all. No, no. <laughs> No, no corned beef for you. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, I drink I drink the the Guinness bus. No Irish soda bread. Nope. Man, it's like the one, one of the the things that I look forward to St. Patrick's Day the most for the food, and now it's like, oh yeah, over in Ireland we don't even eat that. Ah, screw that. Give me. Yeah, a no, burger. we don't have any kind of special St. Patrick's Day food. Yeah, <laughs> because everything over there is Irish cuisine. True. <laughs> you could go to McDonald's and it would be like, you know, Irish cuisine. I wouldn't call it cuisine, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Wow. So, so as James let slip, we will be discussing Ganthet's Tale. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> if they look at the, the iTunes feed, like, it's going to say Ganthard's Tale, St. Patrick's Good Day. Good point, good point. <laughs> it's not like it was, like, really a big secret. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so, I don't know, one of you guys want to do the, uh, the synopsis for this? Not me. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Do you not want to do it, Dan? Because I'll do it if you don't want oh, to. Are you, you do it? Because I'm flipping through. I didn't write anything down. <laughs> okay, Ganthet's Tale. This, uh, this is a story uh, written by Larry Niven, the very famous sci-fi author. Uh, I believe he also wrote um, Ringworld, that, that series of books. It's drawn by John Byrne, and uh, I believe it's, was it inked by Matt Webb? Oh, colored by Matt Webb. Okay. Oh, uh, the script, I guess, was also uh, kind of worked on by John Byrne as well. Larry Niven came up with the story. Okay. So, it starts out, it gives the, the brief uh, origin of the Guardians as far as, you know, how Krona linked the beginning of time to the end of time, thus shaving off like two billion years of the universe's life and killing everybody that would have lived in that two billion years, um, all because he wanted to see the origin of the universe. And from that, you had, you know, evil enter into the universe, and the Guardians felt it, you know, was their responsibility to to fight evil with the creation of the Green Lantern Corps. So you have that brief, brief synopsis right there. Next thing you know, Ganthet is on Earth, and he's knocking on Hal Jordan's door, saying, uh, yeah, we need, we, I need some help. We have to go find some relatives of the Guardians that are here on Earth, because they're in danger of becoming extinct. So they start, you know, going to search, and uh, it turns out that this, this race that is related to the Guardians uh, are leprechauns. 
The leprechauns are apparently very real, and they are related to, you know, Ganthet and company. While they started out in Ireland, they, you know, have gotten pushed around the earth as, you know, people have colonized. They end up being living very close to Coast City. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Ganthet goes in, he's like, you know, you all are in danger of, you know, becoming extinct because of humans. So I'm here to, you know, make an offer to all of you to become Green Lanterns. And, you know, these are all leprechauns. They're, they're a tricky folk. They, they don't have any interest in this, except for one old man that, you know, everybody's like, you know, oh, he's crazy. Don't pay attention to him. And that's Percival. But, uh, yeah, he takes, takes Ganthet up on the offer, and uh, all of a sudden there's, like, a, a big, like, you know, time quake. And they all feel it, and Ganthet realizes that they got to go uh, because uh, something really bad has happened. So since only one of the leprechauns decided to join up, it's, uh, it's now Percival, Ganthet, and Hal Jordan flying into space. They're headed to some parts unknown. Uh, while they're on their way, it takes about a week or so to get there. Gant that is training Percival how to actually, you know, use his internal guardian-like powers with the help of a few mechanical aids. And uh, they finally get to the location, and it turns out there's a strange little family in space. It's it's consists of a guardian uh, who we will refer to as Dolly, uh, his wife who is a Zamoran. Um, a very human-looking Zamoran. And there are two kids, you know, one of them is Owen-looking, and one of them is uh, Zamoran-looking. And uh, Dolly is trying to create a time viewer to go back in time and kind of punch Krona into nothingness so that he will never have been able to link the beginning and end of the universe. Thus wiping out that two billion years that was killed, you know, it'll fix that, and all of time will have righted itself so that evil will never have entered into the universe. Okay, so he's got a pretty sound plan there, um, you know, in, in that he he wants to do right, but, uh, you know, he can't have anybody, you know, getting in his way, so he sends his, his kids out to, to fight Ganthet and... Uh, Percival and Hal, while while he you know continues on trying to you know find the exact right moment at which point to you know take care of Krona, and uh, you know fights happen and people are captured and it turns out Percival is the only one that save you know is able to save them, and he does and uh, it causes you know one of the the kids to fly into the machine you know without realizing it. It completely disrupts the machine, and what what happens is the machine that they're actually using is like a thousand times more complex than the machine that Krona used, and it turns out Krona was never the one that actually linked the beginning and end of time. It was actually Dolly, and nobody realized it until now. Dolly ends up dying through lots and lots of entropy energy, and uh, the rest of his family have to go on trial. That's basically it. It's, you know, now Hal Jordan knows a secret about how the, you know, 
the Guardians were at one point not this godlike race. They were primitive. And uh, that's about it. The real standout of this story? Yeah. Ganthet's necktie. (laughs) (laughs) This thing, that thing changes every single panel. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, I never noticed that. Oh, wow. Yeah, every single panel he's in, his tie is a different pattern. That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like beginning of, beginning of the what? Look at his tie! Come on! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I never, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, so a couple of things that, you know, I guess I didn't really touch on with the synopsis. Dolly was, well, okay, the the hand, the image of the hand grabbing the, you know, the galaxy, or the universe or whatever, you know, which is supposed to be like the beginning image of time, was actually placed there by Dolly. Uh, he was an artist, and he created this image so that anybody that was trying to find the, you know, the Guardians, you know, before they were all powerful, you know, would never be able to see their true origins, and so you know, they would just think that they were always all-powerful and would never be able to strike them, you know, beforehand. Um, When, in fact, before the image of the hand, there was actually, you know, the the Guardians, you know, living on Maltus were just as barbaric as, you know, humans were back in the day. So, Ganthet finds this out by creating the same kind of time viewer as Krona, looking back to, you know, right around the beginning of the universe and using that as a mirror to look forward so he can see around the image of the hand, but, uh, you know, he sees that that time beforehand. Now, let me ask you a question about this. Okay. Because if, if the point of the deception is to make you think the Guardians were always all-powerful... And that it may be, in fact, they might have been more powerful back then, so you really shouldn't try to go for it. Is the implication that it's that the hand is supposed to be the hand of a guardian holding the universe in their palm? Because if if so, that's something I've like I I thought they were kind of implying that, but I've never heard that before. I think yeah, I think that is what they're implying, so that. Anybody looking, you know, would see it's like, you know, or or they would think that not so much that the hand is from a guardian, but the hand is from somebody who put the universe there. And since that's, you know, that's like the earliest that anybody can see, they would think that the guardians were just always there and thus placed by the hand that created the universe. Mm. You know, I guess so as to say that if you do try and take on the Guardians, you're taking on a race that was specifically put there by whoever created the universe. Yeah, okay. What you it? So yeah, so that's that was that's what Ganthet's tale was. That he actually looked, you know, around this hand grabbing the the universe, and and saw what the Guardians were like before that. Yeah, I, I didn't get that. But he what, he looked at the reflection of the hand or something. No, well... That was confusing was, to me, too. Yeah, yeah, I was really confused. Well, basically, what he's saying is that what most people were doing was they set the time viewer, 
and then they would like like a dial, you know, or like a rewind switch, press the rewind, and they were watching time move backwards, you know, up until the the hand, and then once you hit the hand, like you can't go any further. So, or if you go any further, it just it like bumps you directly to when there was nothing, showing you just entropy. It's it. I, it's funny because I've actually seen this happen with like uh, I don't know, like certain CDs and DVDs. Like they put like certain blocks where there's information there, but if you are pressing rewind, it's going to skip right over it, and you can only access it if you know like you know the right key to access it. But yeah, what they're saying is that Ganthet looked around it, so instead of pressing rewind, like. He just typed in the code, okay, I want to go 500 years before that, and then I'm going to use that time period as a mirror and then go forward. Okay. It doesn't so, make a lot of sense, but... <laughs> so, like, he was looking at the beginning of time and seeing the years after it reflected off the surface of time yes yes that's that's what they're saying he did i'm more confused now what the hell man <laughs> yeah is that the same surface of time superboy prime punched a few years ago to to make stuff happen and... <laughs> well um look, look at it like this look at it like this um if uh if you're walking along in china eventually you hit the you know the great wall of china uh-huh. Well, now you can no longer, you know, you can't go any further. So, you know, if you have no idea how to get around the wall of China, you're going to think that, okay, that's it. That's where China begins. But if you had an airplane, you can fly right over, you know, land, and then, you know, walk from your jet back to the wall of China, thus being able to see everything on the other side of the wall. You and your flawless analogies. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's basically <laughs> what they're saying he did. Okay, Wizards did it. Got it. All right. Um, <laughs> now, ab- about this whole thing with Ganthet for a second here, because I, I, I read that, and I've, I've read that scene, and at first my mind is all like tied in knots trying to make sense of it. Then I decide to move on, then... Then part of me just said, wait a second. <laughs> Ganthet just sort of got bored one day and decided to repeat Krona's experiment? <laughs> that really what happened? <laughs> he just, he said, like, I'm looking at the power right now. He's, he's building the thing. It was, it was right after the main power battery tore itself apart. Yeah, I did not care much myself until the blah, blah, blah. Then I did something I had been postponing. I built a time viewer. I looked back, as did Corona, and saw the same... Why? Why the hell would he do the one thing? He knows what happens! He knows what this does! <laughs> well, if you think about it, you know, from what from his perspective, what Corona did unleashed evil on the universe. Well, now there's evil in the universe, so doing it again... You know, like, what what, what possibly could you have to worry about? Evil's already in the universe. Double evil. Double evil. (laughs) Eviler. (laughs) Like, we we have smiley faces and smileyer faces. We can have evil and eviler. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know why he decided to do that. It's like, well, no one else is around. Nothing good's on TV. It was on his bucket list. Yeah, the universe's bucket list. Jesus. So Yeah, so, like, the whole revelation that it turns out Krona was never the one that was able to do that because his technology wasn't sophisticated enough. And it turns out this machine that this guy was building to stop Krona was actually the one that connected to the beginning and ending of time. I was fine with that. You were fine with that? Yeah, yeah that not? made sense. It made more sense than how Gantt looked around. Okay. <laughs> Why did yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not go over that again now or anything. We already talked about like the biggest biggest uh uh, just accept it load of pseudoscience in this entire book. So we can <laughs> if we can get past that. You're gonna have problems with with a uh, with Dolly being the guy who caused the Corona problem. Okay, listen. Here's my issue. If Dolly is the one that created this this major problem, then when like Dolly isn't doing it until like you know what. Two billion years after? Yeah. So that means that the universe was going along perfectly fine, and Krona, you know, takes a look at, you know, the beginning of time, and, you know, there's an explosion, and at that moment, evil gets into the universe. Okay. Well, that means he did it. If it turns out that he was not the one that allowed evil into the universe then evil, first off, evil would not have appeared at that particular moment, and then time would progress, and Dolly would have no reason to look back and, you know, actually connect the beginning and ending of the universe. It's a time paradox. What they're saying is that something that happened two billion years after the fact is what actually caused the main problem. You can't think about this linearly, okay? Like, like okay, the whole... History, as is detailed in here, played out. And then somebody with a time machine shoots something back into the past, making what they put back there part of the past. Which means that, you know, 2000, you shoot, you put it back there 2000 years ago, it's going to be part of events 2000 years before you did it. But. It, the, no, the, it oh, makes no. Se- no, no, no. It makes sense. Listen, the problem with that, nope. you're talking about, um, was it a, a cause? It's a cause loop because of the fact that if it had never happened, like the thing that happens two billion years later is dependent on it happening in the past. Yeah, but I, they're standing here in a room <clears throat> with a with basically a a door opened. Two two thousand years ago, they can throw a rock. They can pick up a rock from where they're standing, throw it through that, and it'll land next to Krona two thousand years ago. And guess what? That rock is going to be there two thousand years ago, even though it probably wasn't formed until today. But they would not have thrown the rock back. They would have no reason to build a time viewer if it didn't already happen from some other reason. <laughs> No, it's 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 you can't think about it like a straight line. You can't think about it just in terms of the order of events as per you know how you move through time yourself. 
It's like if we accept that time travel will eventually be discovered and put into use, we also have to accept that our history is already littered with examples of time travelers showing up and doing stuff. Even though that, like, even though it hasn't existed yet, well, if it eventually is going to exist, then we have to, we have just kind of have to accept that it's already been a part of our history. I can accept that if, like, you know, time is going along and something happens, and then two billion years later, they create a time whatever, and they, you know, end up sending something back. Then from the, the like when they send that thing back, from that point forward, everything changes. But there had to have been an original universe, in which case the Corona thing actually was the cause of the tying the entities together. You're also assuming that that uh, time travel creates alternate timelines, alternate universes, which well, not, is... Not an alternate timeline. I'm talking about it revises the current timeline, but there was an unrevised timeline before that. Yeah. And there could be, or there couldn't be, you know? <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's the same as... Remember when when we were trying to figure out the, the reverse Flash's sequence of events during Blackest Night and Flash Rebirth and how that all gelled out? It's confusing if you try and figure it out based on, you know, the order of things as they were published. But when you think about it from the perspective of the reverse Flash, it's easy. Like, the, it's the same thing here. It's, no, it does, the, the, the reverse Flash thing, that actually worked out logically. I just, I was yeah. missing it. So does this. No, I, I, can't, I can't see that because they built a time viewer as a direct result of wanting to fix something that somebody else had done. And uh -huh. it turns out that they're the ones that caused it. Well, if Corona wasn't the one that caused it, they would have no cause to build a time viewer in the first place. Well, ex except that when Corona was doing... Uh, we, we can keep going around in circles with this. <laughs> it's still going to be wrong. <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong. Oh, of course you don't. You're you're too technically minded, too analytically minded to wrap your head around this. It's like it's, it's something like I, I I watch a lot of Doctor Who, and like one of the one of the the bits that sticks with me is how like like they never go out of their way to expressly define or uh, pigeonhole time travel and how it works and all of its rules. But one thing that comes up once or twice is how he says you know you know people assume time is a straight line flowing in one direction, but it's really this tangled mess of wibbly-wobbly bits. And, like, <laughs> just think about... Just just think about it like that. It's, it's looser. It's not as stringent. It's... You know, it can, something like this can exist without being a paradox. I don't think so. I mean, look, our whole basis... For this conversation, even, is the fact that we move through time and we perceive time in a very li linear, limited fashion. Just be And just because that's how we perceive it doesn't mean that's all there is to it. Uh, okay, I, I figured out what, uh, what it's called. Um, it's a predestination paradox, uh, also known as a causal loop. Isn't that one of those things that keeps popping up on Star Trek? <laughs> 
let's see. What it says is uh, a predestination paradox is a paradox of time travel that is often used as a convention in science fiction. It exists when a time traveler is caught in a loop that of events that predestines or predates them to travel back in time. Because of the possibility of influencing the past while time traveling, one one way of explaining why history does not change is by saying that whatever has happened must happen. A time traveler attempting to alter the past in this model, intentionally or not, would only be fulfilling their role in creating history as we know it, not changing it. Or that the time traveler's personal knowledge of this history already includes their future travels to their own experience of the past. Well, okay, in layman's terms, it means this. The time traveler is in the past, which means they were in the past before. Therefore, their presence is vital to the future, and they do something that causes the future to occur in the same way that their knowledge of the future has already happened. It is very closely related to the ontological paradox and usually occurs at the same time. Uh, oh, and here we go. The predestination paradox is controversial because it seemingly negates the common sense notion that we are responsible for our, for our own destinies, and with adequate knowledge and preparation, we can alter their cause, courses. The predestination paradox says the exact opposite, leaving doubt in believers' minds if they really have free will. One could argue, however, that we do have free will, but our decisions are already known, hence uh, un uniting the otherwise conflicting concepts of free will and predestination. Okay, so basically what you are saying is is that Dolly was predestined to always build this machine and link the beginning and ending of time. Not really, I don't know. <laughs> like how, how can you accept half of the stuff you read and love and yet get caught up on this? Yeah. It's time travel. I love oh, time it, travel. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I pay a lot of attention, you know, to time travel and the laws that govern it. Yeah, laws in Air Bunny is in gigantic... Well, the common gigantic... sense laws. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah, common, common sense laws that would go along with time travel. The com the, yeah, like, the, com the common sense laws, the common sense logical laws that go around with, along with time travel, which everyone who has ever talked about the subject basically pulls out of their ass because we don't know a damn thing about what would really go on with time travel. Well, if we look at it from, like, the human perspective of logic, mm -hmm. then, you know, one would think that if you do something, then it's going to lead to something else, which is going to lead to something else. That kind of logic. Uh, yeah. But, Forward, like, I, and then with this, like I just said, it's like, you know, if if you go back in time and, you know, do something because you know that it's supposed to happen in the future, and then you go back and it happened because you were the one that made it happen, then, you know, it happened because you knew it was supposed to happen. But if you hadn't gone back in time, it never would have happened. So how did you know that it was supposed to happen? But you did go back in time. So that's why it did happen. There was no case where you wouldn't go back in time. <laughs> He's broken. 
but like if you look at it as everything happening at once, but we perceive it as a straight line, then it all makes sense, kind of, because Dolly and Corona doing stuff happen at the same time, but we perceive it as what was it, two billion years apart. Okay, okay, I I see what you're saying, but. That does definitely, you know, lend itself to the predestination concept of the universe. Yeah. Because if they're both happening at the same time, then things are still dependent on other, like, you know, one person has to have, you know, give birth to another person to give birth to another person to give birth to another person. So, you know, somebody standing next to Krona is going to have a descendant in the same time as Dolly. You know, that kind of thing. So the the timelines are connected by, you know, chains of events that are going to happen regardless. So if you believe that all times are happening at the same time, then you would believe that they are supposed to happen. Yeah. That's what that's what this story is saying anyway, I think, look. Okay. Okay. It doesn't seem to be how time travel works in the rest of the DC universe. Yeah, yeah. At all. Okay. But by this book, okay, I, I understand. I, I see I see where you're coming from then. Gosh. That was a long examination of time travel. Yeah, wow. Oh, man. <laughs> so, this being the St. Patrick's Day episode, Yes. did it strike the two of you that the whole leprechaun thing was kind of throwaway? <laughs> yeah, I I was wondering that. I was like, what was the point of them being in there, really? Because, I mean, it really just served to get them Percival, who, you know, I like the guy, but he didn't... Like, all they really needed was someone else who could use Green Lantern power. So any <laughs> random other Green Lantern or anybody could have done exactly the same thing. So, was, so I I look back on the story and I'm like, huh... That's weird. <laughs> I think I think Larry Niven probably said, you know, I want to connect the Guardians to, you know, human, you know, legends and stuff like that. So he, he probably threw in the whole Leprechaun thing. And, you know, even the guy's name is Percival and how they have had interactions with humans in the past. Yeah. Just picture an editor going up to him and saying, Larry Niven, we want you to do a prestige format Green Lantern store. Leprechauns! Do a leprechauns! <laughs> yes! Finally, I can include leprechauns in something. Larry, are you sure you want to... La 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 la, leprechaun, la la la. <laughs> just run screaming delicious. out of... <laughs> Larry Niven just runs screaming out of the room. <laughs> well, I guess we're publishing a leprechaun story. <laughs> so, what do you think of the... Uh... Like this is like the the issue that has one of my favorite Green Lantern moments, in that Hal Jordan is flying away from uh, his enemy, like just about near the speed of light, and he's flying so fast that when he shoots him with his green beam, it's uh, Doppler shifted to yellow. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. That was, and like I've, <laughs> this book kind of redeemed itself a little bit in terms of explaining. <laughs> Sciency things, <laughs> because, because like I like red shifting and Doppler shifting is something that comes up a lot in comics and sci-fi in general. And I've 
I always kind of forget what it means or never quite get what's going on. But the way they explain it here in two panels, it was like, oh, okay, that clicks. Mm. Now, uh, near the end of this this issue, Dolly, he is kind of he's destroyed by this, you know, entropy that is connected from the beginning to the end of the the end of the universe. You know, so in the very end, it's like you know you just have like this skeleton that nobody can touch because it's like so contaminated with entropy energy. Um, I know Chad came up with the theory that this was going to be the you know the guardian behind the whole you know stealing of the uh, the entities. That would have been cool, yeah. Yeah. Talk about dangerous, jeez. <laughs> And they never brought his daughter back, did they? No, they didn't. His, his, technically his wife, or, yeah, his wife and son would still be locked up on, well, I guess, oh, it does explode eventually. <laughs> well, no, we don't even know if they are locked up, because they're supposed to be called before um, a jury of both Owens and Zamorans. Oh, right, right. Uh, but yeah, the daughter, you know, her hand gets infected with this entropy energy also. I mean, it definitely seems like Larry never wanted to write a sequel or or at least do something with these characters again. Yeah. Well, I think what he probably did was, like, when he created this, it's like he was creating a point, like, any writer could come in after this and, like, there's a whole bunch of story ideas that they could grab from this and run with. Yeah. You, know, you have the daughter... You have, you know, this follow-up jury judging, you know, the the wife and the son. Um, you have this entropy body that nobody can touch, apparently. You have this whole new reveal with, uh, you know, the origin of the Guardians. And you also have Percival, who, I mean, I don't think we've seen or heard from Percival at all since ever again. Now, I was actually expecting him to get killed off by the end of this, but he did Yeah. So, I, you know, there's seriously, like, a lot of story potential that could have come off of this that they just, you know, completely dropped the ball on. I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Johns eventually revisits this stuff. I, I would definitely like that. Like, stuff like this, like, this is, a, this is a really cool story. So, I mean, you know, even though I have some issues with the time travel, <laughs> um... A I little did, bit, right? Yeah, I I still did really like the the story. I mean, you have leprechauns in there, you have you know crazy guardians, origin stories, truth about the actual you know origin of the the guardians. It's interesting stuff. This is definitely a fun read. Yeah, it's a really good, really cosmic science fiction story. It's the fact that it actually plays with the guardians and has them doing stuff. It's like it, that's that's cool. That's like an extra layer they didn't do all that often you know like like when you read when you read current issues and you see corona just displaying all of this power and you see how tough a guardian is that's that's awesome and that's something that that happens so rarely because they always try to not do anything themselves so when you get this book which is basically like a bunch of guardians like trying to beat up everybody and then end or begin the universe again that's it stands out <laughs> in this uh this issue we also see gant that uh use some of his life force to heal hal jordan and uh dh him quite a bit 
Hey, that was cool. I'm surprised they didn't like get rid of the grey sideburns then, though. Yeah, they could have. Did anybody else notice that Dolly's kids were, were kind of like dicks? Yeah, well, until the end with his sis, with uh, the daughter. Yeah. She apparently, she doesn't want to, she wants to make sure nobody gets, kill, uh, gets killed. Yeah. But... She was searching for the Percival to, uh, what do you call it? To try and clone his body so that he didn't, you know, completely die in vain. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the family, why do they all have such weird names? Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, it's a, it's a sign of power <laughs> to have the most letters in your name as possible. You're so full of crap. <laughs> like, I'm looking at the names here. Like, was it Dolacus Pock Pock? Twarcharchura. Dartartine. And Durantchatok. What the hell kind of names are they like? like the uh, son should have just been named Fred. <laughs> when they were uh, going through the the leprechaun houses, what you call it, Gant? That's like it's like yeah, I actually have one of these on the planet Skytha. It's like what does Ganthet have like a vacation home? Apparently, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that like he lives in a tree, it's like, <laughs> like I'm glad they they threw in that little detail of like. Like, oh, that wasn't a fully grown one, because I seriously expected them to find a bunch of, like, like Smurf-sized guardians somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, what, you th- what did you think of the Ganthet's character in this? Because he was, he was a lot of fun. He was, like, <laughs> he was sarcastic, and he was just, like, <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was definitely enjoyable. <laughs> uh, how about the part where, when he goes into uh, Hal's, uh, like hotel room, motel room, whatever. He's like leafing through like an adult magazine. He's like E.T. He just comes in, he starts like looking through it. He's like, he's examining Hal's lamp. He's reading his, his stuff. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, after after Hal Jordan uh, does, you know, the, the charge up, he like gives him like this like sideways glance, like all better now. <laughs> the, he says there as well, like about he can charge up Hal's ring just by being around him. That seemed kind of like the whole Blue Lantern thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like, um, actually, the the three-issue um, Tales of the Core Ugh. miniseries, where Krona teamed up with Necron. Yeah. At the very end of that, you know, all the the, guard, uh, the Green Lanterns were just about running out of power, and the, the Guardians were like, it's like, well, you know, don't worry, you may not have batteries, but the Guardians are like living batteries ourselves, so we can charge you up. You know, in the whole... I feel like their plan would have gone better if Ganthet had helped them in some way. <laughs> like, <clears throat> Haldron's like a, like a light minute away doing this thing. Dolly, who... No. Uh, Percival, who... <laughs> who... He had all of a week of training and apparently used half of that time to dye his hair black. <laughs> <laughs> He's out there trying to fight these psychotic children with centuries of experience. And Ganthet's just hanging back, sitting in a bubble watching, going, uh-oh, that looks like that. <laughs> looks like that hurt. <laughs> uh, these guys are in for some pain. 
<laughs> and then when the two kids start shooting at him, he doesn't even do anything. He's just like, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, Hal Jordan, uh-oh. <laughs> I know I'm kind of like a god or something, but uh-oh, god. <laughs> I don't think Percival actually dyed his hair. I think he just took his hat off. How did that help his mustache? Is the mustache also... Yes. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's Shadow. Sure. <laughs> in the Throughout... void of space. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the void of space, there's no light. What do you think of the art overall? I really liked it. Yeah, for the most part. Definitely. Um, like I loved when whenever the constructs were being destroyed, the way they looked like they were turned into kind of liquid or something. Yeah, yeah. That was really good. <laughs> You're spraying me with jello. <laughs> I love the um, the entropy, 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 whatever. <laughs> the <laughs> the thing that kills everything. <laughs> I lo- like how they presented that visually. It's just like an awesome effect. It's like yeah. It looks like it was fun to do. I like the really old Hal as well. <laughs> Come on, DC Direct. Don't let us down. <laughs> <laughs> I think the ship has sailed on that one. We've only been waiting 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> but if we go back in time... <laughs> I, I, that is such a great trick, too. Like, the intangible construct castle. And just turning the kid into a bullet, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Cool. Actually, the first time I saw that, all I could think of was, I was wondering, did he reinforce every molecule? (laughs) Uh, James, is that the kind of castle you would find in uh, Ireland? Uh, Yeah, there is actually a few castles like that. Cool. So if you're in Ireland and you see a castle, drive at it as fast as you can. (laughs) You'll go through it. But you might run into a spaceship. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You'll run into like a time viewer. <laughs> yeah, I, I was digging the art. John Byrne on uh, on Green Lantern is uh, cool by me. Yeah, I'm not usually a big John Byrne guy, and but I like this. I loved his stuff like on uh, like Man of Steel, mm. the Superman stuff back in the day. That was like that was some of like the the Superman that like I actually grew up on. So yeah. I don't think I haven't liked his a lot of his more recent work, like, within the last, like, eight years or so. It's, yeah, it's gotten a lot more, I think, sketchy, I would say. Yeah, like, like, did you ever see his Doom Patrol stuff? I think he wrote, I think he wrote Andrew that. It was, like, before Infinite Crisis. It was just, mm. I don't remember. Anyway. So, Ganth's Tale. Yeah. It's, which, <laughs> I th- what was it you said last time? This is probably has absolutely no bearing on continuity anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, unless unless John's, you know, decides to write it in there, it, it looks like for the most part this is uh, falling by the wayside. What what's out of continuity about it though? Because I was I was wondering that when I was reading it, Nick. Like... Well, Hal Jordan at this point knows that it was not Krona that you know cause the whole big issue at the beginning and ending of time, right? Yeah. He could have forgotten when he died. (laughs) (laughs) That would be kind of important. I I feel like that would be, like, the most important thing that he thinks about from the Guardians. Additionally, 
you know, like there were a bunch of story aspects of this that were just never picked up on by anybody. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, like, it could be in continuity. You know, they could, you know, have Corona say something about how, you know, Dolly was the one that created the, you know, the fake image. They could have a reference at that, you know, to that at some point. They could have, you know, Corona go get Dolly's skeleton and, like, recreate his body just so that he can, like, you know, tell him off for blaming him for, you know, <laughs> creating this major problem. Yeah. Well, in um, last month's issue, on page one, Hal Jordan was kind of recounting everything they know about Krona, and he said, like, in one of the two panels it took, he attributed the whole, you know, the the whole the whole deal to being Krona's fault. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say it's Gant that's fault because he did this too. It was, it was all him. The and the last thing that we'll we'll touch on is how uh, if you look at the cover, <laughs> it's Ganthet's tail, and Ganthet is nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah. I got kind of because there's how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There's 14 Green Lanterns on this cover. One of them is in this book. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was disappointing. Well, technically, I think some of the other ones appear in one of the flashback scenes. Oh, like the one panel where Ganthet's trying to explain to them what the Green Lantern core is? Yes, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, that's, that's special, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a shame, because, like, if they made this cover less busy... And just just simplify it down and taking all the characters off of it. It would have been, it probably would have been a great looking cover. Like like this story takes place around the time the Green Lantern Mosaic is also running. Because in issue I want to say five ish of that of that book, I was reading through it and there was a an ad for Ganthet's Tale and it was basically this cover image without the characters and it was all in black and white. And it was such a striking image. Like, I <clears throat> I half want to blow up that ad and just hang it like a poster. So it's so when I look at the finished cover they went with, it's like, it's like a shell of what it was. <laughs> what issue of the Green Lantern series would that be around then? Uh, what did Mosaic spin <laughs> out of? It was like um, 14 or so? 14. Uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, I think. I can check. So that means this would probably have been out around 24, 25 or so, give or take. This is copyright 1992. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Mosaic was 14 through 17. Oh, that's the, the four issues of Green Lantern that predated Mosaic. In 1990, was issues 14 through 17, and then Mosaic's the series started up in 92. So this was this was probably around you know mid to late 1992. Yeah, right around issue 24, 25. So placement wise, that's that's where it fit, and then nobody followed up on it at all. And then 25 <laughs> issues later, Hal was Parallax. Yeah. Well, uh... So they could have meant to do a revisit in an, another Prestige, like, a couple of years later. But then, 
the whole Hagelin crazy thing happened. So it's true. It'd be interesting to ask Larry Niven if he actually had like a sequel in mind that he just never got around to doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. It's gonna be an early episode. <laughs> Well, before we wrap up, I just want to throw out there something I found online that I thought was kind of cool. Like, I don't usually pay attention to, like, publishing statistics or sales or anything like that. But I was I was just browsing the Newsarama main page the other day. And according to Diamond, for February, for this past February, uh, Green Lantern number 62 was the top-selling book. Really? That, like, Wow. Yeah, it was, number one was Green Lantern, number 62. Two and three were Brightest Day, 19 and 20. Avengers 10 was number four. Uh, number five was the final issue of Fantastic Four. Number six was New Avengers, number nine. Uh, seven was Batman and Robin, 20. Eight was Batman 707. Nine was The Flash, number nine. And ten was Amazing Spider-Man, number 654.1. <clears throat> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. It was great because it's it's not even like there wasn't. It was just like a, a random issue too. It wasn't like any big deal event in it or anything. So just yeah. goes to show how yeah. good the books, the, how popular the franchise is right now. Yeah. As long as we're talking about some news, I guess once this when this episode comes out. I believe once this episode comes out, there will be like a couple of days until C2E2, the Chicago convention. Sure. It actually has not been announced yet, as of right now. Uh, And the only way I was able to figure out is because I had a hunch to check out the C2E2 exclusives page. And there's no pictures as of yet, but there's like a a tiny little blurb about how if you go to the, you know, um, graffiti designs booth, they will have uh, a DC Direct uh, exclusive of, you know, well, two, two DC Direct exclusives of the White Lantern Flash and the White Lantern Batman. So if you're going to C2E2, you will probably, you know, you may want to check those out. Uh, I think you need a, a wristband. But if it's anything like the White Lantern Hal Jordan at the New York Comic Con, by the end of the day, they are usually, you know, very easy to come by. So... But yeah. it is Batman, so it might be a little tougher this time. Might want to get there early. Yeah, the emotions were running high on the forum about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like, I would love to get Batman. Uh, if anybody can help me out get a, to get a Batman, that would be awesome. But, uh, I mean, like, Chad, Chad was so pissed. Chad wants a White Lantern Batman, like, well, really more than anything, as far as I can tell. <laughs> I think I think it goes like you know wants to go to Super Show, wants to go to New York, and then right under those is wants a White Lantern Batman. Closely followed by wants to get one of his theories right. <laughs> oh, uh, that's probably oh, at the down. top. That's at the top. That's <laughs> smack, smack down from another country. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a theory. I have a theory. What? My theory is that Chad's theories will not come to be. <laughs> no, it's just funny. <laughs> not Chad down a little every once in a while. Because we love him. Gotta throw that in there so he feels loved. Yeah. 
Yeah. You got wreck on it. Yes. <laughs> Take out the pause there, James. <laughs> no. <laughs> James, if you can hear me from whatever ethereal place you live, <laughs> put a longer pause in. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we good for this episode? I think so, yeah. If you want to email us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, or we all have our own individual emails, uh, Jim, Dan, Jason, James, or Chad, at lanterncast.com. You can go to our website, lanterncast.com. There's uh, a whole lot of lanterncast.coms to be had in this closing closing blurb. On our website, we have a gallery. We have links to our forum. We have links to our Facebook page. Uh, we can be found on iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. You can leave a review if you like. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail telling us how wrong Dan is or how wrong I am about our time travel views, you can call in at 206-202-1159. And uh, I don't know. I think that's it. But, Jim, would they have called if you didn't tell them to call? (laughs) Or did you just create this causality paradox in which they have to call because they were told that they must call, but wouldn't call if they were left to their own devices unless they would. No, it's nothing like that because it's completely linear. Unless any of our listeners have time machines. I don't know. It'll be on the internet forever. If you have a time machine, please drop us a line. (laughs) And do it before this episode, too, just to really fuck with us. That would be pretty cool. Actually, they can they can really leave a voicemail between now and Monday, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> it still counts. What you call it? We also have our Twitter account, LanternCast. We're on Twitter. You can follow us. And uh, if anybody out there is on Tumblr, do a search for me. I'm Joanada.tumblr.com. Be cool to find other people that are on there. Um, that uh, that just remind me. Uh, are we ever going to find out why you're Joanada? Maybe someday. <laughs> Is that a good enough answer for now? It's the same one you've been given. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll have to be good for now. Uh, James, uh, once again, thank you. Thank you always for, for producing our episodes. You do a fantastic job, and you're very quick with it. I do my best. <laughs> and uh, yeah. thank you for joining us this evening. It was fun. Yeah, you, sh- you need to come on more often. <laughs> if only there wasn't such a huge time gap. Yeah, it's Yo. four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh. Okay. You can thank Dan for that one. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I don't mind. I was like, hey, let's do this one hour later, which, <laughs> if if you know, is just about the time we usually go when Jim schedules the timing anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to be fair, I actually only finished reading this, like, you know, at 9.02. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, um, yeah, we're rebooting our computers. I'll, I'll be, and then he just starts reading it. <laughs> uh, Okie doke. So uh, that's it for us, and we'll be back next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, um, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> That's the one it is, right? Yes. The greenest holiday there is. Oh, fair. <laughs>
now what would uh, James? What's what's the the traditional Irish? Uh, was it greeting? Slanche? Uh, Slanche, yeah. You're acting like he's from another planet. He's like like Ireland is like right <laughs> over there. <laughs> you say it like like he's Edison, New Jersey. <laughs> so it's right over there. I can take a drive. I can see it from my house. <laughs> oh, you clearly cannot. You're like Sarah Palin saying she can see Russia from Alaska. I can see Sarah Palin's house from my house, too. <laughs> Unless she moved, I don't think you can. Jealous. Oh, good night, everybody. Good night. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>